All right, and welcome. Here we are at another episode of Empire. I'm Pete Barenberg here along with my good buddy and trusty CEO and founder of Pure Well, Nick DeFrancesco. Nick, what's up, my friend? What's going on, Pete? Um, you know, I guess we love talking to people in hockey, and today's not an, any exception there. So uh, why don't we tell everybody who we have on today? Uh, well, we are lucky to have ourselves a definite uh, pro in the industry. He's an athletic trainer from collegiate all the way up to the professional level. We're talking about he's dealt with uh, major events like USA Hockey on the athletic team and staff, as well as uh, Red Bull Cliff Diving Team, uh, the Flu Tag Competition, ESPN Summer and uh, X Games, as well as the Winter ones. And now he, uh, after 10 years of being on the medical staff of excuse me, the New Jersey Devils. We are now proud to be with the Nashville Predators. We're talking to Dr. Kevin Morley. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Well, obviously, uh, you know, we met a couple weeks ago at in Orlando, um, you know, at the Cannabis and Sports Conference. And, you know, we, we were just, you know, started talking a little bit. And I said, I'd love to have you on the show. Just love what you do. And uh, you were telling me a little bit about FIU, the Global Center of Excellence for Cannabinoid Research and Education. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about your participation in that and what you do there? And then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. So I started a doctorate of athletic, doctorate of athletic training program a couple of years ago. And as we um, as a DAT program, there isn't a, it's not a PhD and it's not an ED. It's not super, super research focused. It's a terminal degree in the athletic training profession. And as part of that, uh, we have a capstone project, which, you know, similar to a dissertation um, or a thesis at the master's level, it kind of, it's your culminating project at the end of your um, education. And so, you know, the, the edict was, you know, to really find something that's interesting to you and find something that speaks to you. Don't, don't do this project just to check the box. And we've all been guilty of that, certainly through academia, where you had to write a paper on something and you just picked something because it was either easy or you felt like you could execute it relatively, you know, successfully. And that's this sure. was the opposite of that. And so the charge was find something that's interesting and useful for you, either professionally or personally. And, you know, I'd seen, this is a couple of years ago and obviously CBD was, you know, kind of becoming more and more prevalent and more um, out in the open specifically. And, and I don't really know anything about it. And I said, well, you know, my job is to help educate people, athletes specifically, but, you know, people in general, my parents are baby boomers that are having their joints replaced. And they would ask me about, you know, topicals and CBD and what's the difference. And I, I, the answer was, I don't know. I had no idea. And I, you know, I felt like it was an opportunity for me to kind of partner the two. I wanted to, I hated the answer. I don't know. I prefer the answer. I don't know what I'm going to find out. And so it's a pretty daunting topic, right? It's a daunting subject. And so I'm just kind Huge. of one by the time FIU had, you know, one of the, you know, one of the leaders in cannabis education and hemp education specifically. And I said, well, let's just kind of push, put these two things together. And so I started kind of down the path of educating myself and started to educate my constituents. And, and again, my mom and my neighbor about, um, you know, CBD and the minor cannabinoids and kind of how it can play a part. And we were able to, you know, put together some, some studies and, there's quite a few people at FIU in this doctor of athletic training program who are, um, you know, I was the first one chronologically, but they're the ones who are kind of continuing this path where we're doing a lot of cool research um, on cannabinoids specifically and minor cannabinoids. And it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's really exciting to be part of it. And I've graduated now and finished my doctorate and I'm still, you know, working with FIU and working through the center because it's the stuff that's so relevant to us today as 
athletes and as part of the sports profession and and in truth, like as people, right? Like everything hurts. And right. This morning, my shoulder hurts. And so, I mean, as, as people and as active population, uh, you know, I want to know what's out there. I want to know what's available to me. And I think other people do too. And I'm helping to just try and connect the dots wherever I can. No, I think, you know, you talk about minor cannabinoids, right? That's something that you're passionate about. Yeah. And it's really very misunderstood. I mean, isn't it crazy how big the topic is in the industry of cannabis and how much there is to learn and how much people really don't know, you know, and even the experts don't know a ton because of the fact we're still, they know a lot. Don't get me wrong. But what I mean, there's so much, there's so much more that's going to be doing with, you know, whatever we decide we want to get together and, yeah. and really do some studies that we can get away with and things that, you know, there's a lot of yellow tape that we go through, but well, and I think I'm, the best part about the experts is that they're willing to say, I don't know. And so, you know, one of my crusades <clears throat> working in the sports medicine setting is that I work with a lot of providers, right? Physicians, nurse practitioners, physical therapists, occupational therapists, athletic trainers, and everybody in that space. And oftentimes, and I'm kind of baiting people, I guess, sometimes where I'll say, Hey, you know, you just did the shoulder surgery or, you know, you just, you're rehabbing an ACL and a high school athlete or whatever, you know, if your patients or do your clients ever ask you about CBD? And I don't even generally talk, again, I live in Tennessee and there's no legal marijuana use in Tennessee. So I only talk about, you know, the cannabinoids say, well, what, what did your patients ask you about this? And every, every provider I talk to, every time I ask that question, the answer is always yes. Everybody's asking. And so I'll say, oh, okay, that's interesting. I, I have a, you know, a, a personal interest in CBD and CBN and, and a lot of different things. You know, what do you say? And, and, you know, oftentimes people will tell me, providers will tell me, well, I say that there's not enough research on it and I can't recommend its use. And I'm like, you know, I, I appreciate you not saying, appreciate you not saying that, you know, CBD is bad for you and you should never take it and go take more Right. Like I appreciate right. saying that. We're, we're, we're past that step, right? That's exactly. that's the first great that step, right? Start. Yeah, but, but, but there's information. And so that's kind of in you know some of the things that we talked about at the meeting a few weeks ago is that you know there's there is information. And I, you know, I have a slide that I use when I do a talk like this, and I go into PubMed, which search scientific articles and scientific journals. And if you type in cannabis or you type in cannabidol and type in cannabinol or, or CBG, you know. If you type like you're not getting 10 hits, you're getting 10,000 hits, 20,000 hits, 25,000 hits. Now, to be clear, those are not all high level research journals, high level data, meta analyses. They're not. But, but some of them are. And so that's kind of my point is that I understand that the high level data that we as a, you know, as a North American medical society are seeking, the level that it exists is not where we would like it to be, right? There's more studies on Tylenol than there is on CBD, right? We all agree oh, yeah. on that. But, oh, yeah, of course. But, but there's not none. And that's kind of my point is that if people are asking, like people were asking me, and so I'm trying to learn and I'm learning more every day, um, I recommend that same thing to the providers. And, and I follow it by saying, if this isn't interesting to you and you don't have the bandwidth for it or you just don't really care, that's okay too. I would love to provide you resources to connect your patients with of people who can answer those questions. And that's probably not going to be me. I'm, I don't, you know, I don't have a consultancy where I have 40 or 60 or 80 hours a week to, to provide that information. Um, 
but there are people who do. And so again, for me, the, the, the issue is always, you know, it, it's a stop, right? It's a hard stop. It's like, oh, there's no research, kind of do what you want. So, well, it's not really true. And, uh, you know, kind of Nick, what you and I have talked about previously is I'm a safety guy, right? So this is like, if at first you, you know, do no harm and safety first. And so what I want people to know is if you're going to choose one of these products, this is what a COA is. And this is how you can access a COA. And this is a little bit about what it means. And then depending on your level of interest and your level of medical education, those things, like we can have a little bit more detail of a conversation, but I want people to pick a good product. And if it, if it, if it's not for you, that's okay. Um, and if it is, that's great too. You know, I think it, again, it just comes back to, you know, I approach this from an education perspective and not from an advising person. I don't really advise anybody to take anything. I advise them to find a safe product, but whatever they choose is for them to choose. That's not my purview. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad brands and companies out there, but there's a lot of really good ones and a lot of really safe ones. So whatever one kind of speaks to each person, like the formulations are different, the terps are different, the flavonoids are different. And so it's it's daunting to try and figure out like, oh my God, it's so, so overwhelming. It's like picking a grill. There's so many choices. When you <laughs> That's what right. Do you not want an infrared grill? I'm like, I don't know. So I just don't buy it. So I mean, there's just so many choices that it's really overwhelming for people, right? And I get that. And so it's a financial commitment, of course. And so for me, it just boils down to safety um, and just kind of like trying to make an educated decision on what you choose and then just kind of, you know, figuring out what works for you. And I think that's kind of how we really started talking uh, because we were talking about what we're doing every single day to educate these doctors. We get the same, you know, we only sell to most of our businesses, doctors, healthcare professionals, pharmacies, right? So we're having these conversations with these doctors every day. And, you know, we like to always say that we have an education company with a CBD habit, right? right. And we hear these things that you're hearing all the time. All right? the time. Not, there's not enough yeah. information. There's not this. And they go, well, and then we actually pull up papers from PubMed, just like you say, and everything else. And we go, but, but there is, doctor. Like there, there's actually more than you would know, but are you interested in actually knowing the truth or what's really out there? Right. And, and the way that we separate our product, and I know you've, you know, tried pure well and stuff like that. And you've tried a lot of stuff, but we really separate ourselves from the rest of education first, differentiating our product because of ingredients and terpene profile, but also what you were saying, like the COA. You know, I don't know many people know this, but I was the first one to put a QR code on a box for CBD years ago. Yeah. yeah. So this is something that I've been fighting for, you know, eight years. So what that QR code means is, is that you can, with your phone, you can click on it and you go to a COA like doctors talking about, and it would tell you everything that's in and out of a, of a product, what's in it, meaning, you know, all the good things, the terpenes or the, you know, the, the content of cannabinoids and things like that, but also what's not in it. Right. So like pesticides and heavy metals and all this sure. other stuff that people use, because, you know, this isn't a widget people, right? This is, this is something that is a natural plant. Right. So there are bugs, there are insects. Sure. How are you going to treat it? We happen to use spice bombs, right? Some people use Roundup, <laughs> you know? Um, don't suggest the second. Some people have but, problems later on in life. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is and, and I love, and I think that that's what we're talking about and why we connected because it's people don't really understand 
the other side, you know, they always see CBD at maybe like a head shop or at an, and it lead a lot of the dispensaries for cannabis, but the medical is really why I got into it and to help people, right? Not to get you high, but to actually help with medical conditions. But why not? Would you take something from a gas station? No, of course not. Right. Would you take it from, even when you go to a lot of the high-end pharmacies, when I say high-end, but the, the chain of pharmacies, right. they really don't have a lot of information on on CBD, you go to their smaller medium chain, you know, that pharmacist is kind of like a doctor, right? You you can ask them questions. Hey, what do you think, Mr. Pharmacist, Mrs. Pharmacist? And and they usually give you an opinion, right? Well, you can't really do that with CBD. So it's important that the doctors are educated and we are split 50, 50, right? There's 50% of the doctors are like, Hey, this is great. Uh, I think that this could help with side of, you know, no side effects, no contraindications, no drug on drug reactions. And then there's other doctors that are saying, which I think is ignorance. No, there's no information. There's no, I mean, you just talking about your minor cannabinoids is huge. I mean, the fact is, is that there's so many other things than just CBD and THC. Right. You know, you know? Well, and, yeah. and, and there's, there's hundreds, there's, well, there's not hundreds of them, but there's, there's about, there's about a hundred now there's, there's about 167 about that they've, they've uncovered, but it changed. Sometimes there's, they say there's 200, right. there's 150, but there's, there's definitely more than a hundred at this point that they've, that they've actually came up with. Which but, is wild, right. Cause it's like, we're, you know, when you, when you talk about the minor, like you, we, there's a hundred plus, and we typically talk about like four of them. Six right. of them, right? So, which is overwhelming. So, it's equal parts of like overwhelming and scary and exciting. So, think about how much benefit could potentially be realized from learning about the different cannabinoids. And, you know, obviously, I'm not on the production side, but, you know, in terms of as you're, as you're, as you're, you know, formulating your product and you, you know, and I joke about, you know, the, the recipe, right? Well, this is very CBG forward. This is very CBD forward, but it's a broad spectrum. It's a full spectrum product. So it's going to have other things in there too. And, you know, as companies and provider manufacturers are learning how to kind of modify their recipes, the, the good part and the scary part is that there, there's so much variability and you may be able to reproduce your product essentially perfectly right i get that part right but how each product affects different people is so right different and so important. right and i think that from a provider perspective that part is really overwhelming and a little scary too because when people ask me so like what my one of my most significant personal interests is relative to cbn and sleep and a lot of people talk about how cbn really helps them sleep if you follow the research, there's some, there is some research. There's also some articles, which is, of course, a step down from research, right, that are talking about how maybe it doesn't. And I'm like, that's cool, but maybe it does, too. And if it's not hurting somebody, then, you know, when people ask me about, oh, I have trouble sleeping, I'm going to take CBD. I say, well, that's great. Try that. See how it goes. If you're not feeling much of a difference, you know, we talk about start low and go slow and we talk about increasing your dosage over time. We talk about the different formula or the different modes of administration because you're not going to take one gel cap and then just be asleep in five minutes. That's not how it works, right? So after we cover that, if, if sleep is the issue, a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, another product that's in the same space, you know, is like CBD's brother or sister, right? And it's called CBN. CBN helps a lot of people sleep. We know that anecdotally, I don't, 
you know, that's one of the studies that we are working on at FIU is to try and have a little bit of a, a more significant correlation between, you know, people, the, we have a multiple, a multi-tiered, we have two different doses of CBN and then a placebo dose. And we're going to give people a sleep questionnaire every day. It's just via their, it's totally anonymous. It's via their phone or tablet or whatever. And every day they'll wake up and answer like 10 questions about how well they fell asleep, how well they stayed asleep um, and how they felt when they woke up. Right. Because people don't want to wake up and feel like real groggy and, and you know, and, and foggy and those sorts of things. And so that's my personal interest. And so that said, if CBD helps somebody sleep, awesome. That's great. We've, you know, I'd rather you, this is my personal opinion, is I'd rather you take a cannabinoid product than Ambien. That's my personal opinion. Um, we love you saying that. 100%. People, yeah. I mean, people make whatever choice they make and obviously depending who's advising them that will help you know steer them one direction or the other and that's okay but again i like to just provide information and education so oftentimes when people if people are asking me that question that tells me already that they're interested in they're interested in and willing to take a cannabinoid product and so they might say oh i try cbd and you know and it's not helping me sleep so okay, well you know cbn oftentimes helps people sleep i'm not telling you that cbn is going to help you sleep and i'm not telling you that it's that it helps everybody sleep i'm saying CBN often helps people sleep. That would be the next thing that I would try. There's just so many options. And I think people- Now, let me ask you, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to have to ask you this. I have to. You've tried pure sleep. You do a lot of stuff. What was your honest opinion? So uh, here's the thing with me and sleep is that I have no problem sleeping. My problem is that I don't sleep enough. And that's completely self-imposed because I go. I think that's everybody's problem, right? That's a lot of what they say, up and down. (laughs) I could go to bed earlier. I don't know if I, I could probably sleep in a little bit later. And I choose not to because I stay up a little bit later and I like to get up and work out in the morning. And so my issue is not, I don't have trouble falling asleep. I don't have trouble staying asleep. What's interesting is that the first time I tried a CBN product, I woke up and, you know, I wasn't foggy or anything. And I said, you know, this, I, I can't, I, I can't uh, necessarily describe it or I can't provide a, 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 a value, right? There's no numeric value. I feel more rested than I did yesterday or the day before. And, and I would say, and this was before I, you know, Nick and I had met, I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with your products. And having now since tried the Pure Sleep, I would say I felt the same way. Is that, you know, the formulation is different than some of the other formulations that I've tried of CBN products. And, you know, and I... I believe in broad and full spectrum products and, and I had the same result is that I felt like I had, you know, a more recuperative sleep. It didn't, you know, it doesn't knock you out. It's not like a Benadryl or something like that. And, uh, and I had, you know, I felt better when I woke up and that's, you know, it's hard because for me as the patient, that's enough. Like that's all the information I need. And and most people, not all, most people, when selecting a product for themselves, would say the same thing, that they don't necessarily care what a meta-analysis says or double-blind placebo-controlled. People don't necessarily – some people care, but not all people do. And a lot of people say, well, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Though I want it safe. I want it legal. And if it works, it works, right? And so like those are – the bar is relatively low. <laughs> right. For the most part, yeah. It's not that hard. There's a lot of products – that will achieve those three things. And so, and that's what I tell people is that here's, you know, I funny, I, I think I showed you Nick when, when I did that talk in a few weeks, was that 
I, we talk about COA and I have a picture of you know, scanning a QR code. And, and then one of the slides I use is a COA red flags. And there's like this little like give the guy like jumping around with red flags. It's like, <laughs> does it have one? If it right. doesn't have one. Is this way to know about the product? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should feel shame. You probably spent five bucks on it. So throw it away. Lesson learned. Exactly. So it doesn't have one. And was, did it come from the manufacturer? Like, again, that's a pretty low bar. So. And was it, it photoshopped? Because sometimes well, you can so, see so, the tape but, in the corner and you don't, you don't want to mess with that. But let's, but let's back this up, though, because not everybody understands what we're talking about. Yeah. So, and, and, and not, I mean, so what happens is, is that the way that it should be is when you have a COA, a certificate of analysis, it should be done by a third-party testing facility yes. that obviously has all the certifications and things like that. If you're making, I mean, anybody could make, again, in Peter's sure. point, that make their own something in, a, you know, in, <laughs> in their arts office and crafts, or baby. in their we basement. We all had to take arts and crafts in school yeah. at some right. point. So we want it to be third party verified. Yep. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. And then the second part of that is there's actually another company that verifies that that COA is correct. So there's yes. actually now two stages of third party. And so we do that, obviously, at Purewell. Uh, we have you know, Green Scientific, and then we also use Verified Hemp. So there's two different uh, you know, kind of things. And we do that for that reason. And, and it's because we are in a unique space that though it's not regulated per se, like everything else is in a lot of ways, it is it does have the ability to show a COA what's in it. Like, for example, if you went to the supermarket, you probably wouldn't want to look at the COA right. of some of the stuff right. on the shelves because there's a lot of funky things. If you listen, you read a, a like an ingredient package and you go, I can't pronounce that. I'm going to be honest with you. If I can't pronounce it, it's not good for you. Okay, so uh, that's where I stand with ingredients. If there's a hyphen or a number, not good for you. You know, so... So, so that is a good thing. And that's something that we're trying to, but a lot of people are not aware of that doctor. So they understand that what are we looking for and why is this important that we do have this information in the good companies that are not always there, but if they are there, it tells you exactly what's in it. And, and I think and that's well, one thing that scares a lot of people, and, and I understand this is a lot of the education and you probably feel this pain, but a lot of the education is coming from the manufacturers. And so, and I think that people who don't understand the space were like, of course, Nick is going to tell me he's got the cleanest product out there. Of course, exactly. he's going to tell me it works the best. Like, why would I listen to him? And I understand that, you know? And so as somebody who has, you know, of course, relationships, I don't work for Purewell. I don't work for anybody else. And so, you know, I always come back to that whole like safety, efficacy, legal, like those are, you know, clean products. So that's, I think there is, you know, you can search YouTube and, and Netflix and there's, there is a lot of information out there, but the people who are the most incentivized to provide that information are the manufacturers themselves. Absolutely. So of course. I'm happy to, you know, again, I, I don't really steer people towards specific products. There are times when I steer people away from certain products, but very seldom, maybe my mom, I might pick for her, but apart from that, I, I don't. You know, I tell people, you know, if you want to look at a few products and bring them to me, you know, I'm happy to help you look at them and decide what might be a better choice for you. But without knowing how each product is going to affect a person, I don't know if 
uh, fat soluble CBD tincture versus a water soluble. I can explain to you the difference and explain to you how, but I don't know how it's going to affect you. Each product is going to affect you, nor do I really know how it's going to affect me. So as long as we're safe, then, then, you know, especially in the cannabinoid space, it's really easy to have these conversations in the cannabinoid space, less the psychoactive issues, right? So that's a separate conversation. And for people who have a lot of utility in that space, that's fantastic. But again, working in sports and working in, I travel all the time, all over the United States. I travel all over North America. I'm going to Europe in a few weeks. Like obviously Brittany Griner and Shakari Richardson, like those things couldn't be more, um, you know, prevalent and, and timely, right? Like it's a really big deal. And so we talk about hemp products because, you know, thanks to the 2018 Farm Bill, hemp products, less than 0.3% dry weight THC, hemp products are legal throughout the United States, you know, likewise in Canada. So, you know, those are, that's the space where I'm the most comfortable because I know the most about it. And I think that there's fewer distractions um, when you talk about cannabinoids specifically or hemp specifically. Well, yeah, you talked about the legal issues surrounding, you know, cannabinoids and, and it couldn't be more timely. Right. Yeah. And, and, and what, I guess, what has that taught you too, though? I mean, of, of where we are, I mean, there, there's just a lot of misconception, obviously different companies ha- or different countries have different regulations. I mean, we have athletes that come to us all the time. We happen to have a very well-known UFC fighter happens to fight in, uh, one, where's where he? Yeah, he's in one. No, but where? What one. country? Uh, uh, he was, was he... going to um, uh, what's it called? Down to Singapore. Singapore, right? So Singapore, it's highly illegal. Right. I mean, it's like you know, serious felony. CBD, not even yeah. THC. So yeah. for him to even say, "Look, I I use the product here and it works for me and great," like he, you know, he yeah, can't even take a picture with a leaf. Couldn't even couldn't even take a picture with us because. Yeah. Because it was it was going to be like because his main you know where his major fights are are in Singapore. Yeah. So, um, so that being said, um, you know, and 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 going back to, um, I got so much things to ask you, but um, it's th- what I what I was going to ask you, and, and what I was really trying to say is, what do you think that tells us about what the vape laws are? Like, vape is obviously THC. THC is what we consider a vape, right? So right. it's not a CBD. But it is THC, where still interstate going across, it still would be illegal. Right. Right. So it's not like it's that far off to where we are in the United States, whereas CBD, I think, is a lot more widespread in a lot more countries now. It is opening up in Asia. It is opening up in some other places. They are being a little bit more understanding of, of, of the benefits, right? Because of the health benefits. Not because this is a drug that people get addicted or it hurts them in some way. It actually is giving people relief. And so, you know, I guess they're looking for, for sure. You're always talking to athletes, of course. And what do the athletes really want to know? I mean, what do they ask you specifically? I mean, so they ask, I would say one of the biggest questions they, I get is, uh, dosage. I, they typically don't ask about, root of administration but for me with dosage i talk about root of administrator method of administration together because i think when it comes where i start the conversation is what are you trying to accomplish so there are obviously very potent anti-inflammatory effects inflammation is the root of a lot of the pathology that i deal with in the athletic space whether it's tendinopathies or you know acute injury whether it's from 
a puck or a stick or they ran into the boards or another person or something like that. So a lot of, you know, what I deal with, you know, boils down to what we're trying to accomplish is an anti-inflammatory effect. And so, um, so that's the question was, what are you trying to accomplish? Question number two that I ask them is, what have you tried before and what was your experience? Because if you know that, um, you know, a multi-cannabinoid with equal parts of CBD, CBG, CBC, maybe that works well for you. All right, great. Well, I think we've got our answer, right? And so um, as we talk about that, we'll, you know, dosage is always the, the moving target. We always start with that, start low and go slow. And so people, you know, guys will say, I work with, you know, men. And so guys will say, well, you know, I'm 6'3", 225. You're telling me that I should take the same amount as my wife, who's 5'1", 115. And I said, I'm not telling you that. What I am telling you is that it, it can and likely will affect you and your wife differently. And so I would give both of you the same recognition, start low and go slow. And so the same way with alcohol affects different people differently. And you can have 10 yep. people who have the same amount of alcohol and some of them are functioning at a relatively high level and some of them are asleep on the couch. And so, you know, now, so in the same way, I discussed with them how it is the frustration is that I can't tell you the way I can with Tylenol Advil. I know pretty much what's going to happen if you take two Tylenol and I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen if you take two Advil. But if you take uh, 25 milligrams of CBD versus 50 versus 500, maybe with 500, I can tell you, but largely <laughs> I don't really know. And does it have to do with your size and your metabolism? Yeah, maybe. But it also has to do with the tone of your endocannabinoid system. It has to do with whatever else you have on board. It has to do with your hydration and your nutrition and, you know, what other well care measures that you're taking. So for all those reasons, I don't know. And I have a, the answers to a lot of questions people ask me is I don't know. And I've gotten more comfortable with that answer because I think I'm just telling the truth. And again, oftentimes, like when we started, I'll say, I don't know, but either I'm going to find out for you or I'm going to help you find out. And this is how you're going to find out. Is that but this is, I'm sorry, but this is a major, what you're talking about though, for a doctor is like mental overlord, uh, overload. Because what happens is, is that doctors do not like this answer because they're well, so, used to you know, it's of learning. To say this because, you know, obviously I'm not a medical physician. And so, you know, what, what I, what I always bring it back to is this is what we know and this is what we don't know. And so, and in truth, I think um, a medical physician, uh, an allopath, an osteopath, a medical doctor, a nurse practitioner, a PA could probably say a lot of the same things because I'm uh, certainly this isn't obviously this isn't something unless it's epidiolects, this isn't something that we're prescribing. So it's information. And so always bring it to you. Know, this is, these are what the recommendations are. The recommendations that you'll get from the medical doctors who are both recommending or and or approving cannabis and the laws where there's in the states where there's medical use, and even the people who are you know the physicians who you know part of the consortiums that help help advise patients, they'll tell you the same thing. And you know they can give you a lot of information about cannabis that I can't. I don't really know very much about cannabis at all. But what I know a lot of what I the things that I tell you about cannabinoids still pertain to the people who want more THC on board. And then they're going to have to find THC information somewhere else. I can't provide it. But, right. but less that, I can help guide you a little bit and just give you the information relative to the safe recommendations about, you know, 
again, there, there's so many choices. And so that's where players and their families and my mom get overwhelmed. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know what to pick. And I'm like, dude, I get it. There's a lot of choices. <laughs> and as long as it's safe, legal, and, and, and healthy, then pick one. Start with one. Do you steer them more towards topicals, though? Okay, so because what I'm the reason why I'm getting to this before you answer this question yeah. is because let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Drug testing. Okay, yeah. now we've learned on Empire that the NHL is a lot more lenient when it comes to cannabis testing, which is not the case in the NFL. And, and well, it's, it's gotten a lot better in the NFL and NBA and stuff like that, but it's still not where the NHL is. I mean, Riley Cote's on saying, you know, <laughs> I would have been tested and they cared. I would have, I would have been positive every time they tested me. Right. So um, that being said, answer that question more because right. are they caring about topicals, just because they're looking for topicals or are they looking for something systemic that they take or, you know, obviously just so yeah, because like topicals don't get you don't go into the bloodstream as much for, for everybody right. out there. So, so obviously I have to tread lightly on that one because I can't, I'm not representing the NHL. I don't really know, you know, there's a third party group that manages all the drug testing. And so that group is, is collectively bargained by the NHL players association the National Hockey League itself, at some level, some of the medical groups, et cetera. So how that's I that's not my purview, obviously, how that's made. Yeah, no, no. I just mean what the what the what the athletes are asking you and about. So what I so um, you know, what leagues largely are testing for are drugs of abuse and performance enhancing substances, right? So that's publicly available information beyond that what everyone's doing has is different levels of publicly available most notably obviously the ncaa just in the last you know six or eight months maybe it was february it started to come february or march um they level you know they raised their their threshold for a positive cannabis test used to be i think 35 like nanograms per milliliter milligrams per nanoliter and it raised to 150 so yeah, I, wow, I make, sizable. Yeah. So like I, I make this joke. It's not really a joke. Is that you don't have to know what a milligram is. You don't have to know what a liter is. You don't have to know what anything is. You math tells you that going from thirty-five to one hundred and fifty is damn near five times. <laughs> right. Right. So and, and I, I don't follow the NCAA. I follow you know that was interesting to me, of course, because what the NCAA does is a really big deal because other groups and in, in, in a lot of people follow. follow off and yep. obviously what the NCAA is, right? It's like Medicare. Right. So of course. Um, so it's relevant for that reason. Obviously, I'm not in, the, in a situation where NCAA levels or whatever report to me. So to your point, Nick, to answer your question, is that, right, anything topical, you know, does it get into your bloodstream? Obviously, it has a little bit of a ways to go. Can it get into your bloodstream? Yes, of course it can. Uh, it's, it's so diluted by the time it gets there. I don't I really have any concern about anything topical in, in really any capacity. Um, whether it's a cannabinoid product or not. So people, people are fairly specific about their, they're either like a topical person or they're not. And so you have some athletes and you'll see it on, you know, on TV when you're watching NFL games or NBA games, or whatever is that sometimes you'll see somebody putting, you know, Flexol or any number of different topical things on their neck or on their arm between plays or, you know, if they show the locker room, sometimes when they like pan the locker room before a game, you might see somebody with a roll on or, or something like that. People who like topicals, you know, I think there's the, 
there's the visceral, um, you know, response like, oh, I'm putting this where it hurts. This is helping my arm because I'm rubbing it on my arm, right? I get it. Right. It's transdermal. It's going to go into that tissue. Is it magically going to fix everything? I don't know. But if it makes you feel better, who cares, right? You're going to feel something most likely. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's a start. Yeah. So I feel the same way about, you know, hot stuff versus cold stuff versus a cannabinoid, like whatever, whatever. Try it. If somebody says, hey, what do you think about this with the topicals? Again, you know, it's not something that you're ingesting. So you're still putting it on your body. So there's some level of commitment there. But, you know, I I tell people, if you want to try it, try it and see how it goes. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. But do they lean more towards a topical versus like, not necessarily? Okay. No, some people do. And and it's so funny because it's also, you know, a situation where some people might say, I want to put this on before a game. But then some people want to put on after the game. And some people want something that they want to put on at night before they go to bed. And so these, those decisions are just very, you know, I don't want to overstate it by saying it's a personal decision. I just mean that it's a very person specific decision. Yeah. Well, so, fair enough. Fair. Just yeah, like absolutely. everybody's individuals. Say, see, see how it works for you. If it makes you, if it's like really gives you the tingles in your arm and it helps and it prevents you from falling asleep, then don't use it at night again. You know, I right. don't think it's an unhealthy product. It just might not be something for you to use at night. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.